Welcome to Chowder and Grits. We've got a little bonus episode for you this week. We're talking about the NIL name, image, and likeness, as well as college football expansion. The gift that keeps on giving, Tim. I I don't know about you. I freaking love talking about college football expansion, as long as, like, my school is not, like, any other school that is left over in the Big 12 right now. Yeah, I, as long as we avoid being in that seat, I'm, I think I'm okay with it. It's fun to speculate and talk about until um, you're the one left holding the bag in the Big East 10 years ago. Yeah, so it's a it's an interesting time in college football, and what we're seeing right now is you know players are able to capitalize off of uh, their name, image, and likeness, hence the NIL, which I think is a good thing. Um, you know, I've long thought that you know, schools shouldn't be in the business of paying players, um, you know, with scholarships and education and all of that. But, you know, I don't have an issue with anybody making money off of their fame while they are in college. I mean, it's been crazy that, you know, they haven't been able to accept endorsement deals and, you know, sign autographs for money and things like that. So I've always been like a little uncomfortable when I see people selling autographs from like kids that are still in college. Cause I'm like, how are you making money off this? And right. you know, that person's not able to. So I think from that standpoint, it's a good thing. Um, but really kind of what I wanted, I wanted to talk about around it, Tim is how does name image and likeness affect a program like Virginia tech, right? So you've got Virginia tech who right now is a uh, mid tier ACC program because the ACC is so bad, <laughs> you know, they're still in the mid tier. Um, and you know, what I've heard and I wanted to get your thoughts on this is that we think this is going to send all the kids to the big programs in college football. And my counter argument to that is they're already going there. So why do we think we're going to see kids continue to go to Alabama and Ohio state and, um, Clemson and Oklahoma and Texas, well, they're already going there to begin with. I actually think name, image, and likeness could help diversify college football, create a little bit more uh, uniformity in how many of these blue chip recruits are going to other places. They're not all going to flock to Alabama anymore. And why I think that is if you've got a bunch of five-star kids who are vying for the same position and they can go be stars at another SEC school or an ACC school and play for three to four years instead of just getting maybe a window of one to two years, their opportunity cost will be higher at another university than it would be at a place like Alabama, especially considering that there's more money. There's probably a lot more guys that may be in more high profile positions than you that could earn more money even though you could probably bank on that at a, a different location. Yeah, I mean, I my thoughts line up exactly. I mean, add to the fact that if you think these guys weren't getting paid to go to Alabama, Oklahoma, Clemson before, you, you're kidding yourself. So, you know, I don't want to get into the discussion of who was getting paid, bag men, or, or how they did it, or any of that stuff. But I will say the NIL does sort of level that playing field, giving an avenue um, at certain schools where, you know, 
they play by a different set of rules. And, you know, like you said, it may end up having the opposite effect that people are worried about and that it diversifies the talent distribution from some of these high-profile recruits. Um, when you speak specifically for Virginia Tech, for instance, um, you know, people look at Blacksburg and say, oh, well, what can we have to offer from an NIL standpoint? Well, uh, Virginia Tech is, you know, the, the biggest sports property in the state of Virginia. So I, I disagree when it comes in to— DC. In D.C., right, which is the bigger issue. It's one of the largest markets in, in the United States. So when when people sort of get upset about this, saying, oh, it's just going to make cheating worse, you, I'm not so sure. Like you, I think it has a chance to really diversify where the talent goes and where players see the opportunity to maybe play and get their face out there at a school that's not quite as good versus maybe go be the second or third string quarterback at a Clemson or an Alabama. Uh, you may see them start to make those decisions and then, you know, avoid the scenario where Alabama has uh, four NFL draft picks at quarterback on their roster at the same time. Yeah. And I, it's, it's one of those situations to where you kind of got to look at it and think, you know, if you look at college football today, there's basically two or three teams that have a realistic shot of winning a national championship. And those teams don't change. It's Clemson, it's Alabama, it's Ohio State. And then there's typically kind of a wild card in there for the fourth. It might fluctuate between a LSU, you know, um, a Notre Dame, uh, an Oklahoma. But then outside of the LSU Joe Burrow season, you know, that fourth team usually just gets absolutely obliterated in the college football playoff. And so now that I think the college football playoff is expanding to 12 teams, you're going to have more teams in there. You're going to have a bigger again opportunity to you know get your name out there I think it's I think it's a good thing um and I think there will be kind of a gold rush here in the beginning um you know with people throwing stupid money at players I saw something with uh Tex Ags which is basically like a big much larger tech sideline for Texas A&M and they're paying guys like to be exclusive to their site for interviews and it's something like $10,000 an interview or something. So there's going to be weird things like that, but I think, you know, a lot of this stuff will get itself worked out as, you know, we kind of continue down the path. But for now, if your argument is, well, this is just going to make Alabama even better. Well, nothing can really make Alabama better than they are right now. I, I mean, they are the best program you could potentially put together on paper you can't really compete with what they do so this whole nil thing doesn't give them any more advantage than they already had in my opinion right totally agreed and you know that that's where i do see potential uh it can only get better really in theory by shaking it up um because alabama's already doing whatever they want on the recruiting trail i mean when it comes to getting whatever talent they want um, they're going to end up with it, and and this gives you know potential high school recruits a, a second thing to think about when looking at where they want to go to school. And I, I think it, it can only be, I'm not going to say it's going to be worlds better as far as talent distribution, uh, but I think you are going to see a better talent distribution. And you know, for a fan of college football in general, um, you know, I don't see anything but a slight positive attitude that you could have towards the NIL. Right. It's actually going to kind of work its way into high school sports, too, because I don't know if you saw the story. The uh, one of the top quarterback recruits for next season who's going to Ohio State plays in Texas and he is contemplating, 
uh, sitting out his senior year in high school to take advantage of almost seven figures of NIL money before he even enrolls at Ohio State. So it's going to be interesting to see how that plays out. I mean, me personally, like this is kind of what I mean by it working itself out. I don't know how much value that kid is going to have to companies, brands, when it's not like basketball, right? It's not like a LeBron James type of talent who is going to go straight from high school into the NBA and take the NBA by storm. No, he's going to, he's in high school. He's going to go to Ohio State. He may or may not play right away. So that, that whole value of, paying somebody there and getting a return on this kind of endorsement, you know, I think that is where there's going to be some silly money up front and some silly situations that have to play themselves out. But over time, I think that'll, that'll work itself down and we'll start to see kind of a leveling effect across college football. Right. I I think so too. I think the market's going to dictate their real worth, but until that market is established, you know, everybody right now is just throwing anything at the wall and seeing what sticks at the end of the years, when they look at their income statements and what's actually going on, they'll be able to say, was this worth it or was it not? And in in a lot of cases, I think you're going to see a lot of companies look at their income statements and say, you know what, this all that money we paid out really didn't net us a whole lot on the back end. And maybe we need to uh, change the amount of money we're throwing out or, you know, the type of players we go after in the future, because this is nowhere near as lucrative as maybe we thought it was going to be. So the other fun topic of conversation right now in college football is, of course, conference realignment, thanks to uh, Texas and OU that just kind of staged a coup of the demise of the Big 12, really, at, uh, I guess it was at the Big Big 12 kickoff week is where this kind of, uh, where the news broke. But since then, they have been officially invited uh, by the SEC into the conference, which the SEC is just, they're like... uh, they're basically like, if if we want to use an acronym, the Alabama of all the conferences where everybody wants to go there. And so they, they don't have to be very picky. So, yeah, they pick up huge markets in Texas and Oklahoma. Uh, you know, Texas can't win the Big 12. They're not going to win the SEC. So, you know, that's uh, probably good news for anybody who hates Texas. Oklahoma, you know, they're going to really have to rework how they build their football team to compete at a high level in the SEC week in and week out, in my opinion. Um, but hey, we'll we'll watch it play out. Uh, you've got Texas A&M down there who's kind of left holding the bag and, you know, they're, they're unhappy, kind of throwing a little pity party right now. But, you know, at the end of the day, like, they're not going to leave the SEC. So the, the one thing that's kind of interesting to watch for right now and that may or may not be a good thing for the ACC is if you look at the TV deals, Tim, So the TV deals for all the major conferences, except for the ACC, are about to expire or be renewed. And so if you recall, the ACC signed a 20-year television contract in 2016 um, that also tied them to the ACC network, which, you know, I don't want to say it's been a colossal failure, but it's been pretty damn close. If you you have to ask me about how that network is managed and the fact that it can't get on in uh, TV households and that they're kind of alienating. Uh, fan bases because you know they have Comcast and you're going to put the Virginia Tech Virginia game on the ACC network and so half the households in Virginia can't watch the game you know it's been uh, it's been pretty uh, pathetic uh, to be honest but I'm not surprised by it because it's ESPN Um, but at the end of the day if you look at the revenue that these TV deals are generating 
Right now, the ACC is at the bottom of the Power Five. And why that's even more problematic is in 2023-2024, the SEC, they're going to jump from making you know roughly $60 million in TV revenue up to about almost $82, $85 million, uh, by the end of 2029. And so what that means is, you know, all of that money is dispersed across the conferences. So the team or the teams in the conference, so those teams start to get richer. And that was before Texas and OU came into the picture. So now you'd have to imagine that TV money is going to get even more. So what does the ACC do? Because if the ACC sits back and doesn't do anything, they're still going to have an opportunity to rework that TV deal. But if they don't pull in a big name team, which there are none really in the Big 12 to pull in, they're not going to have the leverage over their TV deal that somebody is if they were about to renew. And so what happens with the rest of the Big 12, the rest of the Big 12 will die. Um, the Big 12 will be no more. So it's not going to be a power five anymore. It's going to be a power four, whatever you want to call it, because there is no headliner team in the Big 12 anymore. You've got some nice programs in there, some solid schools, but you don't have a headliner. And so there's no reason for it to be a power five, and there's no reason for it to have a seat at the table anymore. So I think what we're going to see is these schools are going to branch out. They're probably going to be you know, brought in by the Pac-12 and the ACC, but can the ACC finally convince Notre Dame to join as a full-time member, which is basically just for football because they're in for every other sport as part of the conference. And it comes down to TV money. It comes down to TV revenue. And it's just kind of one of those situations to where, you know, I think the writing on the wall is that it's still going to be a very hard sell for the ACC to do something like this. I mean, you had uh, Notre Dame's commissioner who, you know, basically was part of the committee that said, yeah, it's okay if we don't get a first round buy in the expanded playoff. So that just kind of tells you their train of thought right now. On paper, it makes a ton of sense. Um, it gives Notre Dame the opportunity to potentially win the conference and get that first round buy in the in the new expanded playoff system. But it sounds like they're they're not that interested. They want their own deal. So I don't know what your thoughts are there, Tim. But you know, unfortunately for the ACC right now, unless they can get a school out of the Big Ten or the SEC to flip and come their way, there's no major brand program that they can add that is going to really generate any more revenue for the rest of the teams in the conference yeah it, um it hinges on notre dame and you know it can't be stated how bad that deal was that john swafford drew up for the acc um when you're looking at where they rank amongst the other power five schools in terms of revenue um, but it really puts the ACC in a tough spot where now the ACC has no leverage in contract negotiations because what do we have to offer that we didn't offer before? That would be nothing. Your, your one key to leverage is Notre Dame, and if you're sitting on Notre Dame's side and you're looking at the money you bring in with your own deal, well, what you would bring in with the ACC pales in comparison. So the only hope is that you can convince uh, Notre Dame that upon joining the ACC that a renegotiation of the deal would happen that would compete and, and make them you know better than what they currently have going with NBC and what they do on their own and that's a, that's a tall task um, Notre Dame is a cash cow but if you're the ACC that's your only hope 
So that's what you have to attack. Like you said, there are no brands that you can add that are really going to change, tangibly change where the ACC sits currently. Um, and it may be one of those issues where because of the initial negotiations and how poor they were and the low amount of money that was settled for um, and the complete you know, botched nature of what's gone on um, to this point for the ACC, we could be looking like the Big 12 at some point if you know, an SEC decides to make a run for another two teams. The most likely two teams I think they would run for are going to be names like Clemson, Florida State, um, some kind of bigger schools that are regionally close to them um, that they see as, as potential easy candidates, uh, you know, for snatching over. And if that happens, uh, the ACC is then the Big 12. And, you know, if, if you're the ACC commissioner right now, you're doing everything you possibly can to fix this as fast as you can. Um, because the way the college football landscape moves and it's so fluid in nature that, you know, you don't have a lot of time to figure this whole thing out. So, you know, I would love to be a fly on the wall in some of those phone calls going on in the commissioner's office right now. But uh, make no mistake, this is uh, it's the future of college football. It sucks so much because the regional aspect and the traditions of the old conferences are now being lost in the name of mega conferences. And it's, you know, it's something I I don't want to see. And I don't think the average football fan wants to see. But again, college football is all about money. And we know where this thing is headed. So, you know, if you're, if you're even a casual fan, you're going to want to at least pay some level of attention to what's going on in these negotiations and kind of keeping your ear to the street to, to see what the fate of the ACC is going to be. And it's uh, as a fan of the ACC, as someone who grew up in ACC country when the ACC was an 8-9 to nine team conference and it was hyper-regional, um, seeing it the way it is now it breaks my heart a little bit and you know, I fully anticipate having my heart broken further when, uh, you know, what looks like a grim situation continues to play out. But it's it's still somewhat avoidable <laughs> at this stage because nothing's happened. Um, but there's a tall task in front of the ACC and those that make those decisions. Yeah, and where the ACC has a little bit of a strength right now is that schools can't really get out of the ACC that are in the ACC because of the length of that TV contract, because they would have to essentially buy out the remaining years. Um, so from that standpoint, they're strong, but the problem is, you know, if you look at uh, projections for the power five conferences by 2026, you know, the big 10 is going to be paying out $82 million per school, SEC 75 million, big 12 was scheduled to pay out 61 and the Pac-12 55, the ACC is only at 46, okay? And that's in 2026. And then every other Pathetic. year, it's going to keep Pathetic. growing and growing and growing. So the ACC does have a problem on their hands. And like you said, yeah, the SEC probably will go after some big brands. Um, and honestly, like if you think back to 2012, Virginia Tech was the top choice on their list to bring in. And why is that? Well, the SEC doesn't have a Virginia school, plus Virginia Tech dominates the Washington, D.C. market, and that's a top 10 market that you add to the SEC. So depending on how this plays out, it's going to play out over the course of a couple of years. I don't expect to see any ACC schools uh, jump ship anytime soon because of how these TV deals work out. Um, if they get in Notre Dame, I think everything will hold pretty strong, and then you'll probably see 
you know, maybe a West Virginia jump in, maybe a, a TCU, a Baylor, you know, try to grab that DFW market. Um, and then the rest will probably be absorbed by the Pac-12, I'm guessing. But I think the other question is, is how big can these mega conferences get? You know, especially when football, where you have a limited number of games you can play, you know, it's tough to kind of figure out how that will work itself out. And, you know, I think you will lose some of that tradition of college football that we love so much that makes it so great. But, um, you know, things change, uh, times change. You know, if you think back, Virginia Tech, West Virginia was a, a yearly thing. So, you know, they joined the ACC, maybe that fires back up again. So I don't think, uh, either fan base would be disappointed about that, um, because of how big of a rivalry that was, but, you know, so there could be some good to come out of it. There could be some bad, but always fun to talk about from my standpoint. Um, you know, and then, you know, maybe we'll save this for another day. What would Virginia Tech look like if they were an SEC team record wise? That'd be a fun one. I, I don't think anywhere near as bad as people think. I think people Probably not, overrate but... the vast majority of the SEC that's not Alabama or Georgia. Um, and I think the recruiting boost that would occur to us, given that we sit in a really nice position, regionally speaking, for recruiting, I think getting to the SEC would help us really get a, a chokehold on you know our footprint as far as recruiting goes. Um, so no, I, I don't think we would, you know, I don't think we would win the SEC, obviously. I mean, that's a tall task, but I, I think we'd be somewhere in the middle, uh, looking at a, maybe a one game under 500 to 500 conference record, uh, kind of in that neighborhood. Um, but you know, I'm not one of those people that thinks, oh, why would we go to the SEC? We'd be the worst team in the SEC every year. That's just, that, that wouldn't happen either. Yeah, for sure. So that's our bonus episode for the day. Short and sweet, two big topics in college football. Maybe we'll do more of this as the uh, the season goes on, but we'll uh, we'll just have to wait and see what kind of news drops. But thanks for listening. Uh, again, Chowder and Grits, you know, leave us a rating. Tell us how we're doing. Chat with us on Twitter, and uh, tell everybody you can about us, and that would be much appreciated. Tim, any final words? None, other than. Um, I'm not going to be having so much fun in the mega conference era, and I really wish there was some way to put the genie back in the bottle, but um, it is what it is, and uh, yeah, it'll be real interesting to see what this conversation looks like at this point next year. All right, see you guys later. Later.